Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is former Lieutenant Governor Mark Single. Mark has published three books through Sunbury Press, a year of change and consequences about his time as acting governor in 1993 and his run for governor in 1994. The Life and Loves of Thaddeus Stevens, a biography of the great Pennsylvania congressman during the Civil War period, and his most recent release, Seeking Truth in America, a collection of his recent editorials. Mark Single served as Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania from 1987 through 1995 and for a period of time acting governor of the Commonwealth. He's the only person in Pennsylvania history to serve an extended time as acting governor. Single received high marks for his stewardship. Welcome, Governor Single. Thank you very much for having me. Well, three books, three different centuries, and uh, a lot to talk about. (laughs) So let's go back 30 years ago, shall we, to 93, 94. And, uh, you know, I, I remember those days. And, well, thank you for your service to the Commonwealth, of course, but... What's changed, do you think, in politics in 30 years from what you've seen? What, what are the biggest differences between when you were acting governor and today? I think the, uh, the most obvious change is the um, demise of civility mm-hmm. at all levels. Uh, because uh, I think back to 1993, <clears throat> when I had my hands full upon me, and uh, the circumstances were that the Senate was evenly divided. So I was the deciding vote, and I was considered the prohibitive Democratic favorite for governor in the following year. So I had all of these things lined up against me, and you would think that it would be ripe for political chicanery, and I would be facing incoming, and there would be a lot of ill will. There wasn't. The fact of the matter is that uh, as intense as uh, the obligations of governing were back then and as odd as the circumstances were, I had a lot of support from Republicans and Democrats who knew that it was more uh, important to move the state forward and to make sure that the ship of state was heading in the right direction than it was to score cheap political points. Right. And I would say, in answer to your question, that is the difference, because what has happened is a denigration of that thinking. And people are getting elected today uh, and they view themselves as their own kind of cottage industry. And we're what matters and their ability to compromise and work things out, uh, you know, seventh or eighth on the list. Uh, and that that's really a shame because it uh, clogs up the system. Uh, and it sends a message to people that we are uh, just barely functional. Uh, so that's the big difference that I've seen over the uh, last 30 years. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, why? Why? I'm asking myself that question. And as somebody who's worked in technology for 40 years, I know yeah. I know some of the it, – it has a lot to do with the Internet and with uh, social media, in my opinion. Exactly. Everybody's walking around with a camera in their hand. Everybody's walking around with a uh, an automatic uh, social media page and a web page. And, uh, you know, they, they spout off uh, their own 
uh, version of reality, uh, and it makes everybody a free agent, and, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to sitting in a caucus room uh, and uh, you know debating intense issues and coming to a conclusion and doing a little give and take. Uh, the, the notion is, uh, I, I want everything my way, uh, and if not, I'll just make noise about it on social media, and I'll keep saying it until people start coming around to my point of view. And that's not how it works. Uh, it has been very disruptive uh, over the last uh, oh, 10 years in particular, and uh, that's, that's disturbing. Yeah, it seems like, you know, back in the day, you would have debates. You could sit in person, somebody sitting across the table, or you'd be with a panel of people. You'd all have to uh, be cordial to one another in person, whereas with social media, you're sitting alone at your computer or with your phone somewhere, or maybe you're just riding on a bus or a pa- hopefully a passenger in a car and not at the wheel, and you're texting, and you you know you got these little sound bites that you can text back and forth. Uh, it it's not well thought out. It's in the moment, and uh, I, people are not being civil in those uh, instant right. activities. And then, yeah, and then it blows up into national media and bad yeah. behavior all around. I agree. Well, it's uh, the good news is that I still cling to the idea that uh, most people who get elected office uh, are sincerely interested in public service and are are trying to do the right thing. Uh, but uh, it's just too easy for them to be uh, kind of seduced into that uh, uh, ego mentality that says, you know, I'm important and I matter and I'm going to be, you know, running for Congress or U.S. Senate someday. So uh, I'm you know, more interested in my own brand. Um, I think that they have to resist the urge uh, to put themselves first and to remember why they got elected in the first place, mm-hmm. which is to be of service to people. And if that's not what you want to do, then go out and sell shoes for a living or something like that. Right. right. It seems, too, that that's fostered the whole extremist, left, extremist, right. The, the, the center's quiet. Maybe the center is still there, but the center doesn't get the eyeballs on the TikTok or on the Twitter. It's the extreme videos, the extreme points of view that tend to attract attention. So you know, yeah, you've diagnosed it perfectly. That's yeah. that's exactly what the problem is. The people in the Senate, the center, uh, reasonably minded uh, moderates, Republicans and Democrats both need to stand up and talk more. They need to say, "Wait a minute, that makes no sense." You know, here, here's how we get out of this mess. And the, these are the sacrifices we make in, in order to bring inflation down, for example. Uh, you you want to solve immigration and uh, the border issue. Let's get together and reason together like we used to do 20 years ago right. and craft a policy that makes sense. Uh, instead, everybody wants the talking point. That, and you're right, dominated by the screechers on the far ends of the perspective. So I'm I'm. Dead in the middle. I'm I'm a moderate, uh, reasonable guy that thinks he can work with anybody. And if more politicians were like that, would have less trouble. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's sort of my my point of view as well. And uh, on that note, we're going to take our first break. We're talking to former Lieutenant Governor Mark Single. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books brings the reader unique and independent works of fiction and nonfiction. Oxford Southern is our educational and academic imprint. Check out Shades of Brown by Todd Mealy. 
Philip Mosley's Telling of the Anthracite, or Wiley McCallan's A Man of Modern Letters, Ernest Hemingway, and the Rise of Modern Literature. Click on the Oxford Southern link for more at sunburypress.com. I'm back with former Lieutenant Governor Mark Single. We're talking about his three books, and uh, we just talked about a year of change in consequences and uh, what's happened in politics since. But I'd like to take you back all over 150 years ago, 160 years ago, to the time of the Civil War. And Mark, your second book with us was The Life and Loves of Thaddeus Stevens. And it does seem to be quite a departure to go from a year of change of consequences to go all the way back to the Civil War. Of course, your latest release is contemporary, but you, you, dive, you dove into history. And why Thaddeus Stevens and what intrigues you about him? <laughs> well, that was really a labor of love. Um, that grew out of an insight. Uh, I was presiding over a contentious debate on tax reform, uh, and it came down to the very last second of the very last day of the session and uh, eked out a victory for the governor by one vote and very exciting exchange, and I was kind of uh, playing the referee in the chair. As I walked off the floor, a guy by the name of Paul Beers who was the uh, historian for the Pennsylvania legislature, uh, it was long since passed away, but a great guy, pulled me aside and said, that was the most interesting, uh, probably the most interesting uh, exchange since Thaddeus Stevens saved public education in 1837. Okay. I said, what, what the heck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. So it sparked in me this interest to, to do some research and, to find out what he was saying about this Thaddeus Stevens guy. And I became just entranced by uh, the, uh, uh, the genius uh, and the, uh, you know, political sagacity of this figure in history who nobody knows about. Everybody knows about Abraham Lincoln. You know, everybody knows about uh, the, the, the famous senators and uh, the, uh, the people who rose up during the Civil War era. But, it was Thaddeus Stevens who was the driving force uh, against slavery. Uh, it was Thaddeus Stevens who drafted the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment and pushed them through. Uh, and it was Thaddeus Stevens, in fact, who saved public education for Pennsylvania and for the entire country with his oratorical skills. Um, and he has a fascinating history and mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of um, uh uh, interesting kind of nuances to the way he thought and why he was so uh, ardent uh, of an abolitionist and so on. So I wrote the book uh, while I was lieutenant governor. I was kind of researching and reading and taking notes, and it was not until I had the time really to sit down to this uh, that I was able to do him justice, I think. Uh, so it's it's a candid book that uh, talks about Thaddeus Stevens and doesn't shy away from some of the controversial aspects of his life as well. So uh, I just uh, uh, wanted to make sure that he got his due in history. And uh, from my perspective, he is a, a giant I, and a key leader in Pennsylvania. As a budding historian myself, I completely concur. I think he's a giant in American history. And to, to just illustrate to the audience how much time has changed, back then, Thaddeus Stevens was considered a radical Republican. The Republican Party was new, and he was for abolition. And, uh, you know, come 
all these sent you know all these years since how much time has changed the idea is that back then that that was a radical idea that african americans should be citizens shouldn't be enslaved and should have the right to vote and so on you know that was considered a radical idea in those days it absolutely was yeah. a, a radical idea there were politicians who would stand up and proclaim that uh, black people were subhuman uh, and that was the prevailing thought of the day uh, it was uh, rather really recoil from that and say oh, you, you've got to be kidding me you know all men are created equal don't we rem- don't we believe in that and uh, one of the uh, people who picked up on thaddeus stevens theme uh, was abraham lincoln uh, who had the courage to take that message into his presidential race when he ran in 1860 uh, and not without uh, uh, a little Stevens who signed on with Lincoln early because he thought that Lincoln was going to pursue um, uh, releasing the slaves uh, uh, and uh, and abolitionist policies a lot more aggressively than uh, Abraham Lincoln did according to Thaddeus Stevens' taste. Uh, But anyway, the two of them combined to uh, eradicate slavery in america and and that's huge uh, oh. but you're right it was a radical concept at the time it was the biggest mistake of the constitution the constitutional convention at the time and you know you had to have the compromise in order to have a country but then the country festers with that issue for 80 years about 75 years and uh, and then this happens but stevens one of the great orders ever in the in the Congress for sure, and one of the most influential congressmen in history. If you see the movie Lincoln, I think I don't know how accurate it is, but uh, I think Stevens plays a a profound role in all that. You can see who Thaddeus Stevens was historically. Um, is that it's right on target? Okay, they really capture the kind of surly nature of Thaddeus Stevens and. Uh, uh, present him in the uh, right light. They don't paint him as some kind of a uh, towering, uh, eloquent uh, Daniel Webster type, right. uh, but more like a, uh, a behind-the-scenes operator who knew how to pull the strings of power and knew how to get in people's faces and knew how to intimidate uh, folks when it was necessary to get their vote. Uh, so as a, as a politician, I loved all of that yeah. stuff. Um, the, but the, the other thing that uh, is that uh, Thaddeus Stevens never married, but uh, was clearly involved with at least two women of um, a different race. And you talk about radical. Uh, one of the reasons why he was denied his place in history, in my view, is that the Southern editors despised him because he had the temerity to show affection to somebody who was not white. Mm-hmm. And the Northern editors uh, said great things about him in terms of his stance on abolition, but they didn't trust him either because they were hypocritical on the issue and really didn't like the idea of a national leader uh, who would be bending the rules that uh, dramatically. Uh, and uh, that's uh, the, the nature of the the book, the reason it's called The Life and Loves of Thaddeus Stevens, is that I think he was motivated by uh, his own personal affection for at least two women that kind of guided him and uh, inculcated in him a very strong uh, reaction. He was seeking justice for people that he knew intimately 
not just because it was, uh, you know, the moral thing to do. So it's a very fascinating story, and I hope I did the did him justice with that book. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, one book I'm very proud that we've done, and uh, you know, he's he's sort of he's a rock star in history as far as I'm concerned, and he would he should be more recognized today. Give looking back at his accomplishments, I, I think he's under uh, appreciated. Yeah, yeah, and it may be because <clears throat> at the end of his life. <clears throat> he may have been uh, reaching too far. Mm. Uh, and by that, I mean, when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, he was very much concerned that uh, Johnson, uh, Andrew Johnson, uh, who became president, was not going to be able to uh, pursue an aggressive uh, position with the South. He wanted to take a much stronger position than even Lincoln did uh, about uh, uh, having southern states re-engage with the country. Uh, so when he was talking about Reconstruction, he wanted them on their knees, and he wanted to exact penalties and taxes and so on. And Lincoln wanted charity, uh, malice toward none, and charity toward all, and Johnson was trying to uh, go in that kind of direction. Lincoln, or, or Thaddeus Stevens, led the effort to impeach and convict Andrew Johnson. Right. Uh, and he might have succeeded had he not been ill at the time. Mm -hmm. And his life was just ending, and he couldn't summon the typical Thaddeus Stevens power, and uh, Johnson survived the impeachment vote. And that made it, might have changed history for the worse. Uh, we might have seen ourselves in a second civil war. So... I thought paints him for historians as somebody who was overly aggressive. Yeah, uh, yeah. They might be right about that. Oh, impeachment. We, we would never saw that again after that, did we? Just, That's right. Just kidding. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. We got to take another break. We'll be right back. We're talking to former Lieutenant Governor Mark Single. Sunbury Press Books is the home of independent authors and thinkers. Radio Free Press is our imprint for politics and social issues. Check out authors such as Pat LaMarche, author of Still Left Out in America, The State of Homelessness in the United States. Wingnuts, a field guide to everyday extremism in America by David Michael Slater. And A Year of Change and Consequences by Mark Single. Find out more by clicking the Books tab at sunburypress.com. I'm back with former Lieutenant Governor Mark Single, and we're going to get into his latest book, Seeking Truth in America. And this is a collection of your, your recent editorials, I guess, when the last 10 years, roughly, Mark? Yeah, about at least the last seven or eight. Uh, and it's funny, this, this book kind of uh, wrote itself in, in the sense that I was really concerned, uh, and as a, an American and as a somebody that's been in the public service and uh, close to government all my life, it really disturbed me to watch the country slip into such chaos. Uh, and, uh, I mean, some of it was beyond anybody's control. We had to deal with a worldwide pandemic, for example. But some of it was just crazy political decisions being made and directions of the country and so on. So I began to just kind of comment on the topic of the day or of the week and uh some of the local papers picked it up and began to ran, run these as op-ed uh, op pieces um and um, when i when i looked at them collectively 
it dawned on me that there was a theme that was uh, recurring, uh, and it had to do with just one, you know, average American saying, just tell me the truth. Right. You know, I, I can make my decision about whose policies I support, and I can make my decision about who I want to vote for for leaders, but don't lie to me. Just tell me what's happening in your life and give me the facts uh, in the media uh, and don't distort things for me. Uh, and that became kind of the overriding mission of all of these. Uh, while I was talking about individual topics of the day, uh, the uh, overarching theme was, hey, we would all be better off if we just agreed that we need to speak honestly with each other. So that's the theme of the book. And I think it comes across in the articles. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the, the challenge to, with that, that we all have is what is the truth? I, I think one of the problems we have, and we just talked about it in the first segment, the way politics has gone and just the way the discourse has gone. I think truth has gone that way too. Uh, truth has become in some ways ambiguous. Uh, I, how do we get back to knowing what the truth is? <laughs> you know, somebody, you could take my numbers, your numbers, their numbers. They can twist them many different ways. Uh, it's, it's right. fascinating. And uh, that's a very good question. And I, one of the dangers um, is the notion that if you repeat a lie mm -hmm. often enough, it becomes the truth. And, it, you know, it creeps into the, uh, social fabric and people say, well, that, that must be true because I heard it 50 times or I, I saw it on the internet or something. That, not necessarily so. The way you reach truth is that you personally have to put an effort in to be more educated, read more about the subject, listen to disparate points of view, and then make a judgment based on facts not on what biases are being yeah. thrust upon your brow by whatever station you happen to be watching. So you're right. And, and let me say this, that I don't expect everybody to agree with everything I wrote in this book either, because uh, I was angry uh, on numerous occasions by things that I thought were just flat out stupid. Uh, and it was appalling to me uh, to see um, uh, the previous president making what I thought were boneheaded moves during the pandemic and, you know, overseas and with foreign dictators and with NATO and so on. But I realized that I've got to be careful not to impart my own biases through this. So many of the articles that I wrote that were uh, uh, not exactly favorable to Trump, we left off. I, I, I did not include because people are going to be making their minds up, uh, you know, based on what their own perspectives are. The pieces that I liked the best were the personal ones. You know, the ones where um, I was reflecting on um, holidays and what D-Day meant to me or, you know, where we should be as a country in terms of uh, generosity at Christmas and things like that. Uh, I was particularly uh, moved when Russia invaded Ukraine mm -hmm. because you know, that's my heritage. That's where my parents, grandparents came from. So it, it felt very personal to me. And the, the article in there about we are Ukrainians uh, touched on some of my childhood and brought out memories that uh, I wanted to share with people. 
Um, and the other thing I say is that uh, I, I really did make an attempt to be rational and fair. And you'll notice that there are two or three uh, articles in this book that flat out praise Republican leaders. Uh, I'm a you know moderate Democrat, been a Democrat all my life. But when somebody like a Pat Toomey stands up and takes flack for doing what he felt was right uh, in his own conscience, I think he has to be uh, praised for that. Uh, there's a there's an article about uh, my uh, ongoing friendship with Tom Ridge. Tom Ridge and I ran against each other right. in '94, but we've been friends ever since. And the truth of the matter is that that friendship can transcend political differences. And that's the point that I was making with that article. So I, I enjoyed writing it. I tried not to be too, uh, you know, um, non-objective. Right. <laughs> I tried to, to be objective is what I'm trying to say as much as I could, uh, knowing that uh, I have certain uh, of my own biases that I have to get over. Uh, but it's all about finding the truth. That's great. Yeah, I I concur, and and uh, we do need some more bipartisanship and collaboration and cooperation and civility. I guess was the opening word in this whole interview. I was thinking about that concept. So, what are you doing yeah. these days? What's next for Mark Single? Well, on the writing side of things, uh, the very first part, book that Sunbar was kind enough to publish with me. Uh, was about my experience in 1993 when the whole world changed. I became acting governor. I never did complete the project of uh, how 1994 developed and the momentum that occurred there and the very odd circumstances that derailed uh, my campaign for uh, governor back then. Uh, and I've been kind of holding that back for quite some time because uh, you know, I, I've gone on and done good stuff. You know, right. I had a successful company and uh, I've enjoyed things and it's been a good run. Uh, but there's a story to be told there. Uh, and uh, I haven't quite wrestled that one to the ground. But the next one's going to be about that 1994 uh, adventure. Uh, and beyond that, I'm just kind of uh, keeping my fingers in the uh, political pie a little bit and uh, doing some work with uh, Harrisburg University and uh, uh, keeping um, keeping active uh, in my quasi retirement. <laughs> okay, side of the story. I don't think anybody's going to tell it as well. So that's look, right. Looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's one of the motivations of writing the first book was some uh, some reporter uh, who shall remain nameless, but. Uh, was a complete pain in the neck. I <laughs> uh, uh, had, had written some nasty things uh, as I was leaving office. And uh, I, I said to him, you don't know. You weren't in the room. You have no idea what I went through to arrive at that decision. And uh, he very sarcastically kind of said, well, then write your own damn book. I said, you know what? I will, because I'm not going to let you tell people what happened during that time. Uh, so it was partly motivation, uh, the, the partly motivated uh, by uh, my unwillingness to let anybody else twist the truth. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, any words of wisdom on politics going forward here into the next election, the big election coming up? Yeah, just, you know, I I think everybody needs to be engaged and listen really carefully uh, to what the candidates are saying. Um, Again, without betraying my biases too much, there's some really odd rhetoric coming from one of the candidates who happens to be the uh, uh, front runner on the Republican side. That's just dangerous rhetoric. You, You know, you don't. Uh, destroy the norms of our democratic system uh, just to settle scores or to, uh, you know, continue your own version of uh, the truth. And uh, there are credible candidates, and I'm watching as they kind of emerge, and there are reasonable, decent leaders in both the Republican and the Democratic side. So I would really advise, particularly my friends on the Republican side, look for an alternative here because the country needs it. And this this turning point that we're at really requires people who are going to be good, effective leaders willing to work with each other. And I think they're out there, uh, but they're being drowned out by the lingering voice that uh, continues to dominate. So wean yourself away from that uh, candidate, and it will be okay. <laughs> All right. Well said. We've been talking to Mark Single, former lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. This has been the Sunbury Press Book Show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts.